I had to get a new camera, man. I guess Kyle got the prettiest person in the building. Well, it's good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Um, if I am a little bit out of sorts today, I usually get to look over my lesson. I have not got to look over my lesson yet. Uh, my dad called, or actually my mom called me, about uh, 3.45ish, and, or 2.45ish, about 3 o'clock, and they were getting ready to go camping and blew a tire on the camper. And it tore up the fender on the camper. And so I had to go and get my dad in Woodbury, bring him back to Murfreesboro to their house, Looked for tools and a key to the lock that he locked the spare tire with. Couldn't find the key and, and I had to take him back to Woodbury. And so this has been a long afternoon. I got home about five minutes to change and come over here for the meeting. And I was a little late for that. So, <coughs> long day. But I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to, to be able to stand before you tonight. Our lesson tonight is entitled, Reasons People Leave the Church. And we, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, last week we did a lesson on the church, and this kind of follows along the same frame of mind. Reasons people leave the church. Now, I'm not talking about leaving to go to a different congregation, but reasons people leave the church of Christ altogether. I think it's good for us to know why they leave and be aware of some of the reasons so that we don't allow those reasons to come into our own lives and hearts and cause us to leave as well. These reasons are not anything new. As a matter of fact, if you look to Scripture, all the reasons that, that we would find are also found in Scripture also. Uh, but many reasons may attribute to Christians leaving the Church of Christ. Most reasons revolve around worship and or preaching. There are some people that are displeased with the way that we worship or maybe the, the preacher. They don't like the preacher. So I know of, of certain people that, that consider themselves members of the church but they attend somewhere else because they like the preacher. That is one of the reasons that, that people leave the church. Some are not entertained enough or some are, are influenced by a more popular message. But those are some of the, the biggest reasons that people leave the Church of Christ. Some believe the church to be too backwards or strange to be relevant today. Maybe we're not keeping up with the times enough and, and things of that nature. That causes people to leave the church. Some are too heavily influenced by outside forces such as friends or family members or, or even the world. But all of these reasons are, are the reasons that people give for leaving the church. Our lesson objectives tonight are to explore these reasons more thoroughly and to understand and avoid using these reasons to leave ourselves. We want to have a solid foundation in the church. We want to be rooted and grounded in the church so that we're also not tempted to leave. Our first point tonight is about worship. There are a lot of people that leave. I would say maybe most of the people that leave leave because 
of worship. They, they feel that, that worship should be a certain way and, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's not what they feel is, is what it should be. Many leave the church because the worship doesn't please them. I want us to look at, we, we talked about in our Bible class, that the way that we understand what is not true is by knowing what is truth. And so I want to look from the standpoint of looking at what the truth is and knowing what our worship should be. Let's look at God's rules for worship. Preaching and teaching, for instance. Let's look at the reason. Why do we have preaching and teaching in the first place? Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 put it very well for us. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The reason being that we have preaching and teaching in the first place is because it would be very difficult to learn the truth any other way. And yes, there are people that, that can study the Bible and they can understand what the truth is. But a preacher is necessary for understanding the truth. A lot of people turn to the preacher when they have questions and, and they need answers. That's good. We need preaching and teaching in the church. And maybe in some cases we should be less critical of it, but we need preaching and teaching in the church. We also have example of preaching and teaching in the church. We're going to come back to this verse later on. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 says this. Now on the first day of the week, we see that the disciples met on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But they came for the purpose of breaking bread. That was one of the main purposes of the assembly. And when they had come together on the first day of the week, when the disciples come together to break bread, it says here that Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them. He preached. And he continued his message until midnight. But we have this example that Paul was preaching during the assembly. This is an important part of the worship of the church. was preaching and teaching. It serves a purpose of edification. It builds the brethren up. It, it builds up the church so that we can go into the world and carry out our mission. Preaching and teaching is necessary in our worship. We also have an example of giving in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. We have an example of the disciples, the saints, gathering together on the first day of the week once again. And one of the things that they were encouraged to do was to take up a collection for the mission of the church, to carry out the mission of the church. And we have this example given in this passage. 
Now concerning the collection for the saints. As I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Is this outdated? You know, we, we see different churches that have fundraisers and things of that nature, but from what I understand from Scripture, the church is to be funded from the collection of the saints. And I don't believe that we need any outside sources or any other ways of, of gaining income. I believe that we can do this in the same way. Meet on the first day of the week. Take up a collection and build a budget around the collection of the saints to fund the church and the work of her. Giving. Giving is necessary also. How about the Lord's Supper? Is it necessary to take the Lord's Supper every week? We see the institution of the Lord's Supper by Jesus Himself. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29. Matthew 26 and verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We see that this is a very important part of what the disciples were doing. It meant something to them. It represented something in their minds, in their hearts. Jesus was about to be crucified. And in being crucified, we see a representation here in the bread and in the cup. Bread representing his body as he died in that cross. The cup representing his blood. It meant something. We also see an example of this going back to Acts 20 and verse 7. Where the church met on the first day of the week for the purpose of breaking bread. We have people that, that say, eh, it's not that necessary. We don't want to make it a mundane thing. We don't want to, to, to make it too commonplace. So we, we'd rather take it a little less often than every first day of the week. But when I read the first century church partaking of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, I don't have any problems believing that, that we should do the same even today. Why change it? And it's a very important part. It's, a, it's communion with the Lord. And Why would we want to change that? Lord's Supper is very important to our worship. We pray. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, 
and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Prayer. Prayer can do great things. If we believe in the power of God, then we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that our prayers will be answered. Maybe not in the way that we think they should be, but we can believe that our prayers will be answered. Praying. We need to pray often. Maybe more often than we do sometimes. But certainly prayer is an important part of our worship. And singing. Why would we want to sing? Well, what's the purpose of it really? First of all, it fulfills the New Testament command. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing is an important part of the worship. There are some people that may not like to sing. There are some people that choose not to sing. I also know some people that aren't able to sing. They do their best to sing anyway. Singing is an important part of our participation in the worship service. It's one thing that we really do together other than the Lord's Supper and giving. It's one thing that we really participate in together. We encourage each other in the words of the songs that we sing. I love to sing. And even if, if you're not the best singer, it doesn't matter. But sing. We are told to sing, to encourage each other, teach and admonish one another using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And certainly I wouldn't let anyone do that for me as long as I'm able. But there are a lot of people that, that may not be pleased with the way that we, we do our worship. It comes straight from the authority of the New Testament. There are people, though, that that would rather do it differently. Something that we find in Scripture is that anything more than the authority given to us is not pleasing to God. And likewise, anything less than the authority given to us is not pleasing to God. Regarding the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. I believe my dad still does this. He uses this passage every time he preaches a sermon. Revelation 22, and verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. It's actually a quote from the Old Testament also. 
And I've heard somebody say, well, this regards the book of Revelation only. But why would you choose to add to or take away from anything that God has said? I choose to follow in His authority. I choose to follow only in His authority no matter what. We see the authority for the things that we do in our worship services. Why change it? Why alter it in any way? There are some people that think our worship is boring. I don't think so. I think it's necessary to do it the way that we do. To follow only the authority of the Bible. Never seeking to add to or take away from any of the things that we've been told to do in the New Testament. False teaching. Some are led away with false teaching. And this is nothing new either. Timothy was told to preach the word, but be aware of something. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul told Timothy, in what we believe to be his final words, or some of his final words, that there will be a time, that there will be a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. That they will no longer be satisfied with what's written here or what you're preaching to them. There's going to be a time when they're not going to be pleased with sound doctrine. And they're because of their own desires, they are going to have itching ears. They're going to want to hear something else. And they will heap up for themselves teachers. They'll find people to teach what they want to hear. It's going to happen. And we see it's happening even today. We are warned of false teaching. And we are warned how to know false teaching. And we are warned how to avoid false teaching. Jesus said... And taught that false teachers are to be known by their fruits. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You will know good teaching when it comes from a good source. When it comes from Scripture. When it comes from those inspired with the Word of God. But you will know false teachers if you know the truth. 
Some weaker in the faith do not know these false teachers by their fruits or easily led astray by them. Many congregations have been led astray into error because they do not know the truth. So important that we study the Bible. That we understand the Bible, that we know the truth because in knowing the truth we can know what is false. We need to stand against those things that are false. We need to know false teachers, not be led astray. We are warned of their deceptions. 2 Peter 2, beginning with verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as they will be false teachers among you as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Picking up with verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. They speak great swelling words of emptiness. They allure, they draw you in through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness. Again, going back to what Paul warned Timothy of, there would be people that would seek others who would teach what they want to hear. Things that sound good, but they're just not right. Be aware of false teachers. They're going to sound good, but beware of their deception. Do not follow them. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. It doesn't matter who it is that's preaching false doctrine. Do not follow them. Be aware of what they're teaching. Be aware that it's not the truth. And do not follow them. And anyone guilty of preaching anything other than the gospel, let him be accursed. Or anathema, as it is in some translations. To know false teaching, one must again know the truth. We need to know the Bible. We need to follow only the Bible. We have an important responsibility. I hope we see that. 
There are other reasons that I want to mention briefly that people might leave the church. Some are not led away in error, so to speak. They're not led away by false teaching or in some desire in the worship that they, they can't find in Scripture or they can't find in the worship that they're, they're seeing. But there are some that are turned away because of pleasures of the world and its possessions. Things that, that the world only can provide and that Christianity does not. We see of even important people that were led away for different reasons. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 For Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. There were things in the world that led him away from the work. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. Matthew 19, beginning with verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfected, Go, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. We call this man the rich young ruler. He had come to Jesus with the question, well, what do I need to do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus told him and and I'm pretty sure there was some pride within him. Well, I've kept all these things. I've done these things, Lord. Sell what you have. Give to the poor. Follow me. And we're not told that he ever changed his attitude about this. But he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. We're not told that he ever gave any things, these things away. Like Jesus asked him to do. But what we are told is that he had great difficulty in parting with his worldly things. And there are people today that have trouble parting with their worldly riches and following Christ. They don't want to do that. Well, I've acquired great many things. I, I have a great status in society and, and that's very important to me. But don't let the pleasures of the world and the possessions that you have keep you from following Christ. Don't let them turn you away from the truth. Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21 Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The problem with this young man was his heart. Not necessarily the worldly possessions as much as it was his heart. His heart was given to them. Don't allow your heart to be turned away. But look at things above. Not on things below. Lay yourself for, up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Not upon the earth. There's a reason you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. We can't take any of it with us. Don't allow these things to drag you away from Christ. And some fall away because of a lack of faith. In a couple of weeks, we're going to get to a lesson in the life of Peter that regards him walking on the water. In Matthew 14, verse 25, it says this, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him, said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter had so much that he went through in his growing process and becoming the rock that his name meant that he was or would mean that he was. And at this point, he hadn't quite got there yet. And, and his faith, even though it was strong in the beginning, it began to waver when he saw all the winds and the waves and everything that was surrounding him. And that's exactly what happens to some people. They may be strong. They may seem strong in the beginning. They, they may obey the gospel and initially they're, they're, they're on fire as we might refer to it. And they go about doing great things and, and, and eventually eventually they are affected by the world around them. Maybe by the discouragement from family or friends and, and their faith grows weak and, and they begin to sink. Just as Peter began to sink in the water they begin to sink back into the ways of the world. Sometimes just a little bit of doubt can make a grave difference. As Peter needed a stronger faith to continue walking on the water. So we may need a stronger faith to continue serving God. Is your faith strong? Or are you building it up each day? You know, anytime that we take our eyes off of Jesus and take our eyes off of His Word, that's when we become weak. And that's when we begin to give in to temptation. 
and sin and the things that, that we try to avoid, they, they come about us and it's hard to avoid them any longer. Peter strengthened his faith later in his life as he continued on and he saw the great things that Jesus did and, and eventually he became very strong in his faith. But there may be times that we waver in ways such as Peter did. If we're not careful. And we need to look for a stronger faith. There, I'm sure, are a great many other reasons that people might give for leaving the church. But these are some of them that we should avoid and beware of. There are going to be people that have itching ears, want to hear false doctrine, and they're going to find people that will teach that false doctrine, even if it's in congregations disguised as churches of Christ. Maybe they wear the name, but they don't following the practices of the true church that belongs to Christ. There are going to be people that aren't exactly thrilled with the way that we worship. But even so, it's what we find in Scripture. It's what we find that we have authority for. Why change that? There are going to be people that have a weak faith that look more toward the things of the world than they do to the things of God. And they're going to leave. But we cannot follow them. We need to build each other up. We need to encourage each other with the truth. We need to encourage each other to follow the things that God has given us. The instructions that we have the things of the New Testament, the things that Jesus died to put into place. We need to be strong in our faith. Where do you stand tonight? Are you a, a Christian? Have you done those things to become a Christian? By faith, believing and repenting, confessing, being baptized for the remission of sins. Have you done those things? Are you in Christ tonight? Are you a faithful child of God? Or have you turned back to the ways of the world? Have you, you had doubt in your life? Have you, have you had a weaker faith because of it? Maybe you need the strength of the church behind you. Maybe you need prayer on your behalf. Or maybe you simply need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. But if your heart is not right with God, we give you the opportunity, as we always do, to respond to the Lord's invitation. If you need to come in obedience or repentance, if there's something that we as a congregation can do to help you, to build you up, to edify you, to strengthen you, let us help you. Together we stand and as we sing.